This is Creative Banter, a creativity and philosophy-focused podcast, hosted by Cody Schultz and Ben Horn. We start this episode off by discussing the student teaching I will be doing in the spring, which will be a bit of a change to my way of thinking about the English language arts classroom and the curriculum around it. Namely, it seems there will be a lot more creativity allowed in the class, which I'm all for. This leads to a discussion around business practices, figuring out the best path forward for you as an individual, and how good things don't simply fall from the sky, but instead have to be chased after. We end the episode by talking about the editing process, namely Photoshop versus Lightroom, and how one can get to better know their photographs through that process. Let's dive right into it, shall we? this has been a weird week I've been doing a lot of a lot more observing I started doing some substitute teaching uh, get some hours in get used to being in charge of a classroom kind of thing because what 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 age group high school high school yeah yeah Um, Yeah. I got my placement for student teaching come the spring and uh Based on the email that he sent to me, it's going to be an interesting couple months. I think it's like 12 weeks, something like that. Um, oh, wow. So I had emailed him, and from the recommendation of one of my past teachers, he said about asking what kind of books are going to be read while I'm there, so that way I could go back, read them, like familiarize myself with them, and then when I go to make my own lesson plans and go to teach it, I'm not trying to read the book or that section of the book, make a lesson plan for that section, and then grade papers and do all that stuff all at once. That way my plate is kind of like more evenly dispersed. Um, Yeah. So sent my initial email to my cooperating teacher, and when he got back to me, which is what makes this so interesting, is he doesn't do a typical curriculum with his English class. So he's not reading hmm. books from the like stuffy old white guys kind of thing that everybody else yeah. does. Instead, uh, he is he started the year off talking about like narrative uh, writing, so like writing memoirs and then doing an open mic to in front of the class so that the class can share what they're talking about and what they wrote about and all of that. And then hmm. right now they're talking about artistic voice like following along with Frida Kahlo and then the students are going to be working to find their own artist and doing a little bit of research on them and again having like a a paper or an open mic kind of thing after that yeah and then when I'm there it's gonna be I think he said like a true crime kind of thing which is really fascinating like yeah because it's something that in an English class I've never even like thought of teaching or learning, but uh, yeah. He said that in terms of things that you can think or read about in advance, 
some topics that are be going to be reviewed from January forward are like the uh, the Columbine school shooting, the Harvey Robinson, who was a serial killer from Allentown, so which is right where that school is. Um, oh wow! FBI's organization or disorganized profiling techniques and uh, general crime stats in the U.S. and their connection to our culture of family, consumerism, and other institutions. So it is not at all what I thought it was going to be in terms of, like, content for a high school English class. Yeah, that's that's definitely not what I would expect at all. Um, it, it's interesting because it's kind of playing into what some of the, you know, popular stuff out there right is right now with regard to there's like this obsession with like the true crime and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting take and it's far different experience than certainly I had when I was in high school. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing that he said too, is like, he said that he thinks it's going to be a great placement for me specifically because, um, him and I, or he said that because it seems like I'm a creative person and he doesn't know me from Adam. So he just, I, in my link, I always have my, uh, or my link to my website is always in my signature for my email. So he must have like yeah. looked at my website and been like, oh, you're a creative individual. Well, so am I. So this is going to be a great like collaborating force. And it's cool too, because huh. he teaches, um, teaches yearbook and media design as well as English. So English is like the morning and then yearbook design media design is in the afternoon so it's going to be um i'm looking forward to it it'll be interesting yeah do you think that's going to be more a lot more work for you than if it had been kind of the more traditional type uh you know english class because i mean i i can see how you know you could tie in your own experiences if it was more of like the traditional class based on you know, your experiences when you're going to school and with similar topics, but this is kind of a whole, whole different sort of approach, which it seems like it'll have you thinking differently. That's, that's for sure. It's definitely going to be more work because of that aspect, because I can't just like, I mean, right now I can slap together a, a unit plan pretty easily for teaching Shakespeare or teaching 1984 or something like that just because you also have so many resources available to you from other teachers as well that have already done it. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, I think this is going to be a lot more fun, like to actually be able to get creative with it, to encourage creativity from the students, to see what they all come up with and what they think about. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be more work, but it's going to be a lot more fun. Well, that's cool. That's that's exciting. That'll definitely be a a uh, a change of pace from what you may have been expecting. But uh, I think you know that sort of stuff is 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 often a very good experience in the long run, especially because it gets you thinking differently. So that's that that is, that is pretty cool. Yeah. The only downside with it is that their classes start at seven fifteen in the morning and run until two forty five, mm-hmm. and I am. About 40 minutes away from the school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's going to be early. Yeah. That's a that's a very early start for sure. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that at all. That's you'll, you'll be on my uh, my 
you know, uh, alarm clock time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's might need some tips and tricks to waking up and staying up that early. Caffeine's a wonderful thing. <laughs> that's for sure. So in other news, outside of my schooling a bit, I uh, I recently had a Zoom call with Matt Payne from F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. That's uh, cool. I sent him an email asking for some business advice because on here in the past I've talked about trying to figure out the print sales side of things and business side of things in general to get some money flowing. Um, so we sat down for about two hours or so and gave me a lot of actionable advice that uh, some stuff that I'd thought of before but never put into place and then some other stuff that I wouldn't have really ever um, even really considered or thought of mm -hmm. on my own. So I've been, that was on Monday, Monday night that we talked and I've been slowly starting to implement things. I've been going through my website and rebuilding it. I think my smarter choice right now at least is to stick it out with Squarespace until I have time to actually learn other platforms or figure out where my path is going forward. Yeah. Um, so I've been slowly building out that and then working on some new eBooks. So got plenty of those lined up right now. Try to figure out nice. what I'm all going to do what my like I said what my path is going to be going forward so yeah that's that's a tricky one for sure um you know when you have a passion for something but then finding a way to make that into a consistent reliable income while not sacrificing that passion in you know in the process of doing so uh, there's there's definitely a an art to that and so that's that's good that you're able to get some some good uh, feedback and resources to to work from for that. So that's definitely exciting news. Yeah, and it was really refreshing because I I had told him too before that I had a bad experience with it a couple of years ago back in 2018, end of 2018 with the uh, having a consulting call because that's essentially what this was. So a business consulting call, trying to get some advice and forked over over $400 and didn't get any advice from this other guy. And uh, it was, it left such a bad taste in my mouth about, about them, about uh, the whole idea as a whole. So when I had emailed Matt and he mentioned like, Hey, I do these business consulting calls. They're, at this price and um, just because he values his time and that's a big thing that he had been taught from when he did these business consulting calls with someone else and I respect that obviously and so I just let him know and I'm like I just don't want to get burned again but this was yeah totally different experience and uh, makes me think about the there's that quote if you've always if you always do what you've always done you always get what you've always gotten 
and the whole idea that good things come to those who like push for them which i think is a concept that people really need to get behind because i've also had people tell me in the past like oh yeah just keep doing the work that you're doing right now and things will just come to you things will fall from the sky and come into your hand I'm like no that's not how that works no no it's it's definitely the sort of thing where you know it, you have to take initiative and kind of perhaps at times step outside what you're accustomed to doing in order to to make those sort of changes happen i mean even just from like a um like i don't know like an like an exercise standpoint um you know the the it's when you start pushing yourself even further kind of beyond what you normally do that you start to see uh changes happen and i i think the the same is very true when it comes to you know kind of growing in terms of a, a creative standpoint artistic standpoint um and even if you just think about like what happened during the pandemic when so many people had an opportunity to perhaps do that thing that they've always wanted to do to kind of change things up. But then once they had all those weeks or months to do whatever they wanted to, they just ended, ended up doing mostly the same thing that they've always done. And so it's kind of a, a little bit of a microcosm for, you know, how it is day-to-day -day over a, a much longer period of time, you know, over a lifetime. Um, so that that's definitely is a, a very good, a very good quote. We have to sort of step outside that and, and make those changes happen ourselves. And I think of even the podcast that I've been interviewed by in the past year or so now. I mean, I just essentially sent out an email to them. I'm like, hey, if you're looking for someone on your, to be on your podcast, someone new and whose voice isn't often heard kind of thing, might have new perspectives or whatever, uh, let me know. And ended up being on four or five different podcasts at that point because of that. Just wow. because, like, they were looking for new voices, and I felt I had something to say. And so I just reached yeah. out instead of just waiting for that off chance that's I might uh and that there's, they might there's reach also out. the times when it's the you know we, we run up against some sort of uh difficulty for one reason or another and that adversity is what also helps to point us in a different direction that we might not have gone before um, and I know that that's certainly been my experience for for many things where like back when I used to do the books and then the um, that company that made the books went away. So I started doing the portfolios, which ended up being like a very good move. So sometimes you have to sort of, you know, fight that adversity a little bit in order to to force that degree of change. It, it's amazing what happens when you're when you're forced to take another another path, like it, at the very onset of that it could seem like a really bad thing or like oh this is a sucky situation but then you actually take that other path and you realize oh this is where I was meant to be all along yeah you're like why why wasn't I doing this sooner yeah you know why 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 hadn't I thought of this sooner because um you know we, we just we 
we become very much um, a representation of just the status quo of just, you know, if we do, just like you said, if we keep doing things the way we're doing, you're not going to end up anywhere different. I mean, that's like when and so, Matt and I were talking, the one thing that, so when I scheduled this call with him, he had me fill out a couple different uh, questions. And one of them was what my goals were for, uh, for my photography, for the business side of things. And I had put down about print sales. But then by the time that we got on the call and we started talking a little bit, I started to realize more and more, like, at the end of the day, I don't really care about selling prints. Like, as, as nice as it would be to have my prints hanging on someone's wall and as appreciative as I am for those in the past that have purchased prints from me, I don't need to be selling, like, six figures a year from prints. Yeah. I'd much rather and I get more enjoyment instead out of the the writing that I do and providing value in that manner to people. And so that's one of the things that we really focused on and I started to like even as we were talking I'm like, wow, this makes so much more sense. Like this aligns with me in a much stronger way than what print sales would have or anything like that like there's so many plans now that are slowly being set in place that will slowly take off in the next couple months couple years kind of thing that i think are going to lead to a lot more intrinsic success than anything else so yeah because you have to look at you know what you gain not not i'm not talking monetarily but like you know, what, what it is that sort of feeds your soul in terms of the type of work you are going to be doing. And, and I can see how, you know, writing is one thing. It can be a very fulfilling sort of process versus it, it seems like if one is trying to do all that they can to make all of their money from print sales, it feels like that is just, it, it's it's a difficult situation because you're not necessarily working. You're not producing something that is, has that same level of fulfillment. And it seems like that at a certain point is just a matter of following the recipe, following the formula that other people have followed for success, but perhaps it being somewhat of a hollow success because perhaps the the images that people are selecting, they're not the ones that speak most to you versus you can be, it's a much more personal experience with the writing and tying that to the imagery and the lessons learned and and everything along those lines, which is one of the things I've learned a little bit by doing some of the eBooks. I find that to be a very fulfilling process. Definitely. Um, but with, with prints, I, I feel like it's just kind of like, I mean, you'll see some people that make an enormous amount of money selling prints, which is fine, but I feel like you have to cater to some other aesthetic other than your own. You have to cater to some other goal other than your own or some other, it, it, it doesn't feel quite the same. It's one of those things where with an ebook, you are giving something to someone that has value past just a 
oh, that's a pretty picture on your wall kind of thing. Yeah. Versus with a print, it's just, it's just that it's, you are taking money in exchange for something that they're going to hang up. And in all reality, they'll start to get really used to it and they might even get bored of it at some point. Yeah. Like I, that's happened to me before with some of the prints that I have that I've since taken down and replaced with others because I get bored looking at the same image all the time and I don't appreciate it as much until I have left it down and put it away for a while. Yeah. And, and there, and it is interesting because when I've, um, I mean, I don't sell a lot of prints, but I, I sell a handful and it is very fascinating to hear the reason why people have selected the prints that they have. And, and what I really do enjoy about the, um, the way that I go about selling the prints, which is, you know, not tons of them, not trying to game the system, just it's mostly to people that connect with that image for one reason or another, but hearing why it is that they connect with that image. Um, it's usually something very, very personal. Um, usually it has some degree of emotion to it. It's not just, you know, looking for that, that epic, you know, sunset to hang on the wall. It's because that image did have an impact for one reason or another. And I feel as you, as you scale things up to the point where a person is just selling a ton of prints, I think you would lose that connection. I think you would lose that, that individual touch. Yeah. Um, and it would be perhaps become a little bit more of a hollow existence by, by just chasing the numbers and, and trying to get that, you know, six figure salary from it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I still plan on offering prints at some point on my website and, if I do exhibitions or anything small time like that, then I gladly will because I still love printing my work. I still feel as though that is the final product of my photographs. But yeah, like with you, I'd much rather have whoever goes to purchase a print have a very close-knit connection with it that you might not get with everyone buying your prints if you're selling a ton of them each year. If you're selling 20 prints, 40 prints, 100 prints a month, you're not going to get every single one of those people looking at your images and being like, oh yeah, that's that speaks to me personally. Because some people might yeah. start to see it as an investment or something yeah, otherwise. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, it's interesting to see where you'll be taking things with that. And uh, so always, always good to uh, you know, seek out the, that sort of, uh, advice and feedback from others. I, I'm never really one to do that. I'm more so the type that just likes to, you know, try to cut through a forest with a machete <laughs> and try to find a path. And it's, it's not the way I'd necessarily recommend no. doing things, but I think it's just the way that works better for me in my brain because I, I need to have, um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like I need to go down the hard path myself sometimes in order to learn from it. Um, but, but I definitely admire those who, uh, you know, seek out that, the, the wisdom from others who have been in those positions. And, uh, it, I don't know, it probably would have 
got me to somewhere a little, a little further on in my career, a little faster, but I don't know. It's, it's all part of the fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend anyone who's thinking about it to book a consultation with, even if it's not necessarily with Matt, but like Brooks Jensen, I also did a little review thing or whatever that I sent to him and I'm waiting back to hear from him like 50 bucks to send off some images and get your images reviewed but also you can ask questions about marketing about business in general to him and he's been in the game for forever because of lens work yeah so it's one of those things of like yeah you can go down the hard path of things and ultimately I still am going to like the the path that I take is not going to be an easy one but yeah at the same time to at least have someone to talk to that has gone down that path and is able to help clear your mind and focus your mind along with so that way you can get a better idea of what it is that you actually want to be doing and that's really why I wanted to go ahead with this stuff even though it costs yeah. money um it, it definitely was worth it at the end, but cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, so I've been going through the process over the past uh, week or so. Um, cause when we had recorded last week's episode, I had just got my film back a couple days prior. And at that point I still wasn't quite sure what I had from the design trip, but I've, I've gone through and I've, I've scanned the images and I've, I've always found it very interesting, the process of getting to know uh, not just one image, but an entire set of images. And I think that's also something where, you know, it's, it's a bit unique to shooting film in a sense because, you know, you're seeing it for the first time and then you're scanning it in, you're, you're taking a look at it as opposed to seeing them as you go when shooting digital. But I've, I've, I've really, um, it's interesting because the images that at first catch my eye, I, I'll go through this process where my first instinct is I like this image. And then I start having these like these creeping doubts in my mind of, oh no, I think I'm starting to not like this in, image anymore. It, it's starting to, you know, not, not be what I thought it was. And it's like, they're like morphing around uh, before my very eyes. Um, but one of the things I like to do is I like to, you know, scan the, the images in and then just have them all open in Photoshop and just flip through them. And this is something I mentioned in the past where when I am first working with those images, I'll just flip through them, look at it for a split second and do a couple tweaks to it, move on to the next one and go through it until things are a little bit more, um, you know, I don't see as many things that I want to change on them anymore. Um, but I was thinking as I was going through this process, uh, when it comes to, uh, photos and and editing and such that I'm wondering if people are in some cases going about the editing process in a rather convoluted way. How so? Um, I think, well, I think most people these days are are using Lightroom versus Photoshop, especially for, for digital. Um, I think I'd ask you in the past, so are, are you are you using Photoshop or Lightroom? What is it you're working with? I primarily use Lightroom these days. 
Do you have Photoshop? I do. Yeah. I use Photoshop okay. for um, pretty much just for my printing needs. I print out of Photoshop. Don't ask why. I just always yeah. hated the Lightroom module for printing and found Photoshop easier. But uh, a, a little while back on Twitter, um, I asked a poll of, are you proficient with Photoshop? And it's a little bit of a open-ended question because I, I guess it, it depends on one's definition of proficient. Um, but in my mind, proficient is if there's something that you want to do with that image that it's you know, you can do it without thinking about it. You know, it's, it's not, not that every single person knows every single, you know, way of doing something in Photoshop, right. but for one's own, uh, way of working, whether it feels familiar and comfortable working in Photoshop. And so of the poll, it says, are you proficient with Photoshop? Yes. 39%, no 61%. Hmm. And which was kind of interesting because I think a lot of people are intimidated by Photoshop and they're, they're sticking with Lightroom. Um, but what I was thinking about when it comes to image editing, um, and I think this is influenced by the fact that a lot of people are tending towards Lightroom these days, is that a person will open an image, they realize the image needs to be edited, and then they just start sliding the sliders until it looks the way that they want it to, which on its very face is, I mean, that's just the way that people edit. But I was wondering to myself, as I was working with some images in Photoshop, you know, if people know why they're editing things the way that they are, or whether they're just moving around the sliders until it looks right, or whether they know what's actually wrong with the photo to begin with. Cause I think if we start with the question of why does this photo not look quite right? The answer may be something far more nuanced and far more subtle than is addressed with, you know, just going through all the different adjustments and, and adjusting those. Um, and since you work in black and white as opposed to color, um, I don't know that this, uh, applies quite as much, but you'll see it where a person will open up their photo, they'll edit it, and then it will end up being extremely saturated, extremely contrasty, very sort of cartoonish, and it strays probably quite far from where the original was. Um, so I had this photo that I shot on my trip to Zion, and it's of this the floor of this grove of trees, so you don't see any trees, it's just all this uh, reddish sand. And there was some water that was flowing through there uh, a few days before I was there. So you see like the, the, the dried mud ripples and then there's all these leaves that are strewn about it. And as an example, I opened up that photo, I looked at it and I'm like, something's not right with this image. And so rather than going through and starting to adjust the, the color, the contrast, uh, all the color casts, all that sort of stuff. The first thing I did is, is ask myself, what is, what is it that's wrong with this image? What is it that I'm picking up on? Because something's not balanced right. I didn't start cropping it. I just, I looked at it and I realized this image needs to be flipped horizontally. Huh. And it was as simple as that. As soon as I flipped it horizontally, it was really well balanced. And that took out that 
that that sort of that nagging feeling that I had in the back of my mind that something's not right with this image. And I was able to find it. It was just because it needed to be flipped and it, it visually flowed better. And then beyond that, I did a couple little tweaks here and there um, using the curves tool just for to you know fine tune the contrast and um, and some stuff along those lines. And there was still something that was seemed a little bit off. And I realized that there is one small area that needs to be burned down just a little bit, just very, very subtle. But I think one of the things when it comes to getting to know a new image is really answering the why when it comes to editing, as opposed to just going in at gung ho and just like, you know, flipping things. And because that usually results in something that is a very roundabout way of addressing some minor thing that probably, you know, didn't need to have all that stuff done to it. So that was, that's just one of the thoughts that I had um, while, while working with the images is that usually it's a small solution that brings things into better balance. It's an interesting way of looking at it because it, it's definitely a lot more thoughtful of an approach than what I've taken with any of my work. Because, I mean, I pretty much throw it into Lightroom and I'll go through and I'll play with the exposure. I'll play with the highlights or shadows and then the curves. And then most of the time I'll add like a slight vignette to it. Um, mm -hmm. But that's pretty much the same thing that I would have done in Photoshop as well. Just I would have used the curves for the entire process um yeah but i like the ability like the organizational aspect of lightroom the most and that's why i typically rely on that rather than photoshop and that way i can keep everything in just one spot in one uh, application but i think my my editing choices really come down to the fact that i want to be away from the computer as often as possible. Yeah. And I know that if I would really look at an image and think and then start to get to dodging and burning and the more quote-unquote advanced techniques, I would find myself just being dug into a hole and then spending far too much time on the computer than what I would actually like. Even though it doesn't sound as though you take a ton of time to be editing your work. No. And, and, and I, and it's interesting because I, I do have Lightroom on my computer as well. I never really use it. Um, I've, I've heard so much good stuff about it. And so I, I did open up, uh, one of my images in Lightroom and was adjusting it there. And it was, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of it's because I'm not as fluent with that software as I am with Photoshop. But it just seemed like Lightroom made things that would be very easy and quick to do in Photoshop. It made them a bit more difficult to do. It was a more roundabout way of doing things. And I felt like I didn't have the same level of control as I have in Photoshop. And just as you were saying, it really is the, the curves tool in Photoshop just has tremendous control over an image and uh, 
and that's basically, I mean, curves and layers and masking is basically all I used for my image editing in Photoshop. And it's, you know, it's does not take very long to do. But I also asked on Twitter, another uh, poll on there says, are you proficient with the curves tool in Photoshop? And yes was 48%, no was 52%. So I was just thinking about how since Lightroom seems to be more dominant and the style of editing in Lightroom is more so what people are doing, I think people are, are staying away from, from Photoshop because perhaps it seems a bit intimidating. But in some ways it might be a bit like, I don't know, like working with a large format camera, which seems on the outside like it's this very intimidating, difficult thing to do, but then you realize it actually is not that difficult. It's actually fairly simple when it comes down to it. You don't need to know how to do everything. You just need to know how to do a handful of small things. But you do have more fine-tuned control. And at least in my standpoint, the process of editing lends itself a little bit more to the approach I was talking about early in terms of, you know, asking yourself why an image is a certain way as opposed to just, you know, having page after page of sliders where you can, you know, tweak all the different things uh, to try to get them to the end result. So it was just some some idle thoughts while while going through the images and, and tweaking them. So how do you organize and, your uh, images then yeah. if you're just running it out of Photoshop? So I have, I just have uh, folders on my computer um, so I have an external hard drive and when I come back from a trip, I'll just have a folder on there. They'll have just the, the date and then it'll say, you know, Zion fall. And then just within that folder are the images. So it's not depending on any sort of, um, you know, databases or anything like that. I just open up the image I want in, 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 uh, in Photoshop. Now, obviously this won't work well if a person has, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of images, maybe they're shooting wildlife or something where they want to have more control over finding a specific image, but you can still browse those folders just using bridge or, or open them in Photoshop. And actually that's the way I've always done it. I mean, I have folders dating back to 1999 when I got my first digital camera and it's just organized by date. And then usually a couple of words for the uh, summary of what's in the folder. And, and it's something that's independent of, you know, any sort of software. It's just because it's just folders on the computer. Interesting. I think it also helps that you don't go out nearly as often as like what I do, for instance. You have your yeah. organization works very well for having condensed trips throughout the year, folders for each trip kind of thing. Whereas with me, yeah. it gets very cluttered very quickly um, because if I go out for every weekend and come back with an image each weekend or so it uh can make things very chaotic which is why i like to use lightroom because then i can at least see everything from that month or through that year and pick and choose things and that kind of deal yeah how how long have you been working with lightroom i've picked it on and off since i started with photography i think i started primarily with lightroom and then started to use Photoshop instead of it for a year or so and then gone back and forth since then. Um, it's only recently though that I really started to use Lightroom for my film photography. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like they are they keep building more and more into Lightroom, kind of making it the new Photoshop. Um, so it's, it, it is kind of interesting how Photoshop has sort of fallen out of fashion a little bit, but it also seems like Lightroom might be getting a little bit more, uh, a little bit more top heavy in terms of uh, cramming so much into it that it's not quite the, the simple software that it used to be. And at a certain point, people look at Photoshop like, oh, it's just easier doing it in Photoshop. But I don't know. I, I think <laughs> it's, it's just my perspective as a longtime Photoshop user. I think it also doesn't help that Photoshop was never designed specifically for photographers, whereas I think Lightroom was more so at least. Yeah. So Lightroom inherently has a lot more of a, um, it's a lot easier to get into and to open up and just start playing right away. Whereas with Photoshop, yeah. it has so many advanced capabilities that people get very easily intimidated by it, even though you're only you're really going to be using maybe three or four tools for most of your work. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, yeah. I use curves and maybe um, the black and white mixer or something when I was shooting with digital or gradients, that kind of thing. But Yeah. Yeah, and when it comes down to it, it really you don't really have to know a lot of stuff. I mean, curves is huge. Uh, I think people are intimidated by the curves tool, but then they realize, oh, I can adjust contrast, exposure, uh, color casts. I mean, there's so many things that you can adjust with that. Um, but between that and then layers with masking, um, maybe the levels as well. Sometimes it's a little easier for certain things than, than curves. Um, but they're, and then uh, like I'll, I'll do the, like the warming filters and stuff like that that are built in sometimes for some images, but it really, you don't need to know a lot, but I, I think having that level of control um, where you can fine tune something to the point where there's, there's no surprises once you, you know, make the print, look at it on the paper. It's like, yep, this is exactly as I thought it would be. And uh, so it's. I don't know. I'm probably a relic just by saying, oh, I use Photoshop, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The odd it's not man hard to do. Out. Yeah. You just like yeah, to, yeah. you just like to get away from the crowd. I mean, you're using an eight by 10 film camera and using Photoshop. So people inherently are going to yeah, look at you, you know, like the it, dinosaur in the room. Exactly. You know, Photoshop, uh, shooting eight by 10, uh, somehow still thinking that inline skating is cool. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think, I know there's like the, the saying that, you know, if you do something that's not cool long enough, it becomes cool again. Yeah. Well, certain things never become cool again, but I don't know. I think it's just so much more fun to do. I hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website, CodySchultz.com. And you can find my work at benhorn.com. For further discussion, join us at patreon.com slash creative banter. It's a place where we can interact with you, the listener. And although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier, discussions are open to everyone, whether you're a paying member or not. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you around next time.